You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Definitely want to thank Brother Blaze for putting together the uh, leadership there for Mercy Worldwide. We need to be showing mercy to those who are poor. I'm, uh, I'm encouraged about that because it highlights that, uh, you know, it is, a, it is about, all about the message, but it's also about uh, taking care of folks uh, and having that true religion be the fact that we take care of those who are poor and who are needy out there. So, uh, of course, as a church, we want to make sure we wrap our heart around uh, that challenge right there to, uh, to serve the poor. Amen? Uh, we're going to be digging into the book of Acts today, and uh, we're going to have our Bible study out of Acts. So I want you to make sure you take out your pens and papers there. So uh, we're going to have quite a few uh, scriptures that you can jot down and go back and study over. But uh, also, uh, I would love to encourage you to pull out this beautiful little idol that, uh, you know, they they give you nowadays called the cell phone. If you could turn that on silent, that will help uh, stop Satan from messing up your worship right there. You don't want to get a text message right in the middle of you trying to worship Jesus Christ right there. That may make him feel a few things. And uh, we got to be focused here so that we can build a great church. Amen. You know, uh, we're going to dig into... uh, uh, Acts chapter one, but I was told uh, uh, a, a brother told me, bro, you got to tell that you got to tell that story that you told us last week because it was a great story uh, before you get into the message. So uh, of course, following that brother's advice, I'll tell you the great story. Uh, there were two uh, campers, and uh, of course, they go out hiking. And and, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they're, they're out there hiking, and there came a time where they kind of kick back. They take their shoes off, and these are big guys, big old hairy feet, you know, and they're kicking back out there hiking. And, and one of the guys gets bit right on one of those kind of big hairy toes he has uh, by a rattlesnake. And uh, he's just screaming and writhing in pain right there. And uh, the other camper, the other hiker, he takes off and runs into the city to find a doctor, of course. And uh, soon enough, he finds a doctor. This doctor, sadly, was delivering a child. And so, you know, the doctor couldn't leave, but the doctor could give him some advice. And he just tells him, he goes, listen, if the guy's got a rattlesnake, I mean, that thing could be terminal. It could really take him out. Here's what you do. Take out a knife, and, and right where the poison is, just, just cut a little X right there, right where the poison is, and then get down there really quickly and, and put your lips right over the area right there. Put your lips right around and just, just suck as hard as you can and pull the poison out by sucking it out. And then just spit it on the ground right there. Just do that right there. Uh, you'll save your friend's life. And of course, the camper, he, he's looking at the doctor. He just takes off. He gets to his friend who's there. Who's st- he's just screaming. The friend is just yelling. He says, what the doctor say? What, what, what he tell? What's going to happen right here? And his friend just looks at him and he says, you're going to die. <laughs> Steve Fraser told me that'd be a great opening right there. I didn't believe him, but let's dig into our Bible study today. The title, uh, of course, uh, of our study is Building a Great Church. Now, that may not have been a great joke, but uh, we we do need to build a great church. And sadly, that's the thing that can be a joke nowadays. Whether God's church is truly great, whether the people are really giving a great sacrifice, whether there's a great commitment, whether there's truly great leadership. And of course, we're going to dig into all of those principles, but several others as we dig into the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Building a great church. 
In my former book, Theophilus, and of course, Theophilus is a literary device. Luke the doctor wrote the book of Acts, and so he also wrote the gospel of Luke. And so he's saying in my former book, well, what was the former book? It was the book of Luke. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And of course, we can stop right there because he says that Jesus not only did it, Jesus also taught it. And I put before you, he did it not just in his ministry. It says he did it and taught it until the day he was taken to heaven. And so the question comes, how long do we do it? How long do we take, teach it until we're taken to heaven? And yet we see the Holy Bible right here. Jesus' very words are still doing it. Jesus' very words are still teaching it because you got your Bibles open today. You guys with me here? After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem until you wait for my, the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when we met together, they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Of course, this here highlights that even though the disciples walked with Jesus for three years, they still were looking for political deliverance. They were looking for a political kingdom, not a spiritual kingdom. They weren't looking for the great church that Jesus was trying to build. And so what do we learn? That Jesus, the perfect preacher, Jesus, the perfect minister, Jesus, the perfect discipler, there still was disciples that were numb and didn't get the gravity of what Jesus Christ was saying because they didn't understand it. They were still questioning things right there. And yet we as disciples sometimes, we can be the same way. You guys with me here? He says, verse 7, it's not for you to know times or dates. My father is set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the church said, Amen. point number one, to build a great church, you need a great message. In Matthew chapter 18, verse, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus commands all the disciples to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that he commanded. And he says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And of course, we get to the book of Acts and we see that's the same, that was the Great Commission. And of course, Jesus comes back and he preaches the same message. And what's all, always stood out to me is the Bible that says, for 40 days he spoke about what? The kingdom of God. So Jesus would, 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 if he was in marriage counseling, the kingdom of God. You, you, you've got something going on with your husband? Seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, you got some feelings towards your wife? The kingdom of God. Oh, you want to be married as a single because you believe you're ready to be married? Seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, sister, you're, 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 you're so old. Sis, the kingdom of God. Teenager. No, you're not too young. You need to seek the kingdom of God too right there. Jesus just had one singular focus, one message. And I, I just have to admit that, you know, my heart, I go, man, the same thing. Maybe I would have been bored preaching the same thing. But it highlights that there was a passion in Jesus' heart right there. So no matter what, 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 hey, there's always a passion in the scriptures. If you have a passion for the great message. And we saw the passion because Jesus just hammered home the same point over and over the kingdom of God. And in Matthew chapter 16, it teaches the kingdom of God is the church. 
So he was talking about building a great church, and this was a great message. Of course, when the disciples became baptized disciples, they made Jesus, what? The Lord of their life. So Jesus was Lord. And yet when I read this, I, I go, man, the same message? Sometimes I can be a little bit bored. And that's a great question we can ask ourselves today. Is Jesus still Lord? Or do you hear a message like this? Oh, I've heard that one before. And then you get bored. Has, has, is the message still passionately in your heart? Is it a great message to you? The kingdom of God building up a great church that has every single nation from around the world. We come together. We put aside racial prejudices, socioeconomic prejudices. We come together for the great call of building a great church. Is the message still passionate in your heart? This was a great message. And this is still a great message. Are you guys with me right here? We've got to have a great message if we're going to build a great church. We've got to have the great message. You know, I've been so impressed with our campus ministry, uh, just all the hard work they've been pouring in. Specifically, Jen Watkins there, she's all over the place uh, on every one of the campuses, trying to build the campuses. Of course, our brother Yami Bello right there. And uh, we call him Pastor Yami in the church. Uh, he, he is just all over. And they've really started a great, 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 great amount of momentum in our campus. And I, I'm, I'm really impressed by some of the fruit of the individuals in their ministry. More importantly, a young man that we know by the name of Angelo. quiet and, 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 and you know he doesn't come across like he has anything to say but let me tell you something if you would have been on campus Wednesday when we were at Middlesex University uh, this guy just comes out of nowhere pulling out scriptures and debating with folks Jesus is the son and you got we got to be a build a great church and he just starts going on about building a great church and I, I thought Angelo was quite you know just kind of mild and wouldn't say much and all of a sudden he took over the conversation I just stood there go ahead, go ahead and keep preaching <laughs> was doing an incredible job, and, and I'm happy to announce that, of course, we've uh, we've taken the campus ministry, of course, to UEL, and we've got great traction there. We're on UCL. We're on King's campus right there, but now we are on Middlesex University. And, of course, we've got our first visitor with us right there, Silvio, sitting right there next to Yuri there. He came to our first Bible talk because of the great message right there. And we will have many, many schools. I believe we'll have scores of people become disciples up there because of the great message. And us really trying to, to get the message not only in our hearts, me as well, get, just making sure it's in my heart, but making sure that the message is moving. Because if you're going to build a great church, it takes a great movement. That's the second point. Great movement. Great movement. Of course, he says right here in verse 7. He said to them, he says, it's not for you to know times or dates. My father said by his own authority. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. Of course, who's speaking here? Jesus. Jesus. He says, you're going to be my witness. I shared with a young man who tried to tell me about the Jehovah's Witness faith. I said, hey, I have a lot of respect that you've, you've approached me, but you can't be Je Jehovah's Witness, God's Witness, unless you're Jesus' Witness. You've got to be Jesus' Witness to be Jehovah's Witness. And Jesus has some specific things he called of every one of his witnesses right there. He goes, good point. I never heard that one before. I said, well, 
I'm a witness. I'm a witness right there. But he says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Do you guys realize that? That is talking about you're going to be witnesses from not only Jerusalem, but all around the world. You're going to witness. You're going to give your testimony as to Jesus Christ and what he's done for your life. You can't get the gospel all around the world without it being a great movement. Without it being an incredible, incredible, great movement of disciples willing to go anywhere, do anything, and give up everything. Dare we say, the church in the Bible was a great movement. If you're visiting with us today, you've come to a great movement. Where we believe in putting the gospel all around the world. And of course, the first time I came to church, I go, wow, I've never heard about disciples willing to go anywhere, do anything, and give up everything for the gospel. I never heard a preacher use the Holy Scriptures and pull out the fact that God calls that of us. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. I went to several different congregations. I never t- heard them. You got to go anywhere and do it. Hey, the gospel's got to go to the ends of the earth. You know, when we began our, 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 our movement, we started with 30 would-be disciples back in 1979. And the attempt was for us to take this very message around the world. Now, at that particular time, those 30 would-be disciples were all many members of what we know as the mainline church of Christ. And for those that have been around for a while, this may encourage you. Uh, at that particular time, the mainline church of Christ had a membership of about 150 members. 50 at midweek, 7 baptisms a year, and seven, uh, 6 of those baptisms were, were, were kids of the members. Doesn't sound like a great movement. Sadly, at that time, the divorce rate was 50%. That meant half of those that got married in the church with the Bible got divorced. The largest congregation outside of the United States was only 300 members. That was the largest congregation. And of course, you know, there was a young young man who, who, who saw the passion see the passion in the church, but he saw the passion in the scriptures. See, some, you may be in a place where you don't see the passion in the church, but the passion's always there in the scriptures. And he raised up and he says, we, we, we've got to have a, a, a totally committed, we've got we to be the, the, the church in the, in the Bible. And a great movement was started in 1970. 30 disciples said, we are gonna, we're going to do this scripture. We're going to obey this message and we're going to take it around the world. And of course, what happened? 1982, the Chicago church was planted by the Fuquays. 1982, later on that year, those 30 would-be disciples multiplied. Not only was Chicago planted, but also London, England was planted by Doug Arthur. 1983, New York City was planted by Stephen Lisa Johnson. 1985, Toronto was planted by the Boston church. And of course, at that time, Boston reached 1,000 members. By 1986, we planted Johannesburg, Paris, France, Kingston, Jamaica. By 1987, we planted Hong Kong right there. Bombay. We also reconstructed in 1987 Atlanta, Georgia, San Francisco, San Diego, and Mexico City. In 1988, we went to Tokyo, Munich, and Cairo, Egypt. 
we're going back there, guys. In 1989, Boston sends out seven church plantings, one of which was Los Angeles, California, then Miami, then Seattle, then D.C., then Honolulu, then Manila, then Bangkok. In 1991, Moscow, we sent out Moscow. We sent out Moscow, Russia right there, and in the first year, 800 people got baptized into Christ right there. 800 people. 1992, Sydney, Australia. We sent a church there with the kangaroos and everything right there. It was amazing. 1995, Baghdad, we sent out. 1996, L.A. broke the 10,000 disciple mark right there. That means in 1996, there were more than 10,000 disciples in Los Angeles, California. In 1998, right here in England, London, England to be specific, Wembley Stadium, 9,000 people gathered to hear the preaching of the word of God. 9,000 guys. What happened? Disciples with this vision right here to take the message from Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. That's all around the world. 30 disciples in 18 years created that kind of movement. One church ended up being 312 churches. One nation became 124 nations. 30 would-be disciples became 150,000 disciples around the world, with the largest congregation being Los Angeles, about 12,000 disciples. And to quote one man, you don't have that kind of movement when it's a movement of man. This is a movement of God. Are you guys with me right here? Now, and that's just 19 years, guys. That was just 19 years. You go, okay, well, what about our new movement? What about the ICC? What about, what about us? What are we doing? Well, in our first five years in our former fellowship, there was only three churches that went out. We are now in 40, we have 46 churches in only five and a half years there, guys. 46 churches. That's a great movement. That is a great movement. And of course, we know just this year, we sent out San Francisco. We saw San Francisco go out. We saw, of course, Colton Rohn, Colton and Mandy, they're right here. They're leading Boston, and they're doing an incredible job in Boston, Massachusetts, right there. We saw those churches go out. Orlando, Matt and Helen Sullivan, they came here from Orlando. They're doing an amazing job. Right now, I believe they have the fastest growing church of all of our plantings. Victor and Aurora Gonzalez, they went to Mexico City, the most dangerous city. Arguably one of the most dangerous cities, at least. And they're down there with two children, brand new children, preaching the word of God. We're moving faster the second time around. We're moving faster. You know me? I'm a great sports fan. I'm a great sport. I love, love sports. And I know that we have a few sports fans here. And sometimes when you're watching a good sporting match, it's, it's kind of awesome to watch a good sporting match. You guys with me here? But it's more awesome when you're actually playing in the sporting match. I'm getting a little bit older, so I can't play as much right there. But it's so awesome when you are involved. And you're, play, you're in the game. You got the sweat. You got the injuries. You got, you got the, you, you're limping off. You're feeling awesome about all that pain you're in right there. It's a whole different set of rules when you're sitting there on the bench watching everybody playing. Critique, look how he's kicking the ball. Look at him. He's just is trying to score every time. Oh, my goodness. Look at that guy. Look how slow he is. 
see that one over there? He's not in very good shape. He's got a little hangover going right there. I'm not talking about from drinking. You got the pants, the shirt, and the little hangover right there. What's the point? To be in a movement, you can't just sit on the bench. You got to be moving. I want to ask you a question. Are you moving? Are you moving? Are you, are you moving? First of all, are you moving God in prayer? First thing in the morning, how's your quiet time? How's your quiet time? I had to ask myself that question. I go, I got I to gotta get back to moving. I have not been digging on in and having incredible quiet times. I was challenged by that. It's convicting. I go, okay, I got, I got to deal with it. That's sinful. Are you having incredible Bible study every single morning? I've heard that some of us say, oh, this, this person not having quiet times. That's because you don't see your need for God. You believe you don't, you, you believe you don't need God. I know for me, without God, I'm a non-Christian in two minutes. I'll go back to old Michael. I'll dig up that old guy that got baptized, and I'll go back to being him. How was your time with the Lord? Brothers, are you in your Bible? Sisters, are you praying in the morning? Or do you get you wake up and you get all anxious and you start doing this radio everything <laughs> Slow down. Turn to your Lord and pray. And worship God. And stop worshiping everything else. We, we've got to be a great church. We've got to move God first thing in the morning. Abraham, he moved God. He moved God. He moved God. He changed God's mind. God was going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham said, wait a minute. If there's guys, 35 guys, he just kept praying and just whittling and negotiating with the Lord right there. Come on, Lord, you can't, you can't destroy the nation right there. And of course, we understand the story. He had, he had relatives there. Are you moving God? Number two, are you moving? From a ministry state, are you growing spiritually? Are you learning more weaknesses about yourself, more challenges that you need to, and not to be down, but so you can be a better man or woman of God so we can build a great church. You know, I just had to humble out. I sat down with uh, my brother Blaze right there. And Blaze is uh, awesome. I, I get some great discipling from some of the brothers here. And they said, bro, I think you should do this, do that stuff. And it's great. But uh, I, I just came to brother Blaze and I said, you know, Blaze, you, you, you challenged me on this area of my life. And yeah, I said, I'm, I'm going to deal with it. But I, I didn't deal with it right away. And you saw the need, bro, you need to deal with that. You, you kind of got a little attitude right there. You need to deal with that attitude. I just came to Blaze and said, you know, I was prideful, bro. I'm sorry. I should have dealt with that attitude quicker. That was, that was awesome. Blaze was so forgiving, so loving. What's the point? I want to grow. I, I just want to grow. I want to be a better Christian. This, I, I want I, I want to grow. Do you want to grow? really want to grow spiritually. Sometimes growth is just getting out there sharing your faith and getting your getting your getting your hindsight, backside, <laughs> losing the battle, dare we say. So you got to go and find out what the Bible teaches so you can come back and be prepared to give an answer. You guys with me here? Are you growing? Are you growing spiritually? Are you the same individual that we saw at the beginning of this year? You're just the same person, same struggles, so everything's the same. Are you growing in the Lord? Are you moving? To be in a movement, you've got to be moving. You guys still with me here? Number three, great destiny. To build a great church, every single member has got to realize it's a great destiny. That God formed you before he formed you. He knew you and he set you apart to be a prophet, a prophetess to all of the nations. This is your destiny. Acts chapter 1. Verse 15. In those days... 
leaders stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Stop right there. You realize what the Holy Spirit is saying here, guys? I mean, would anyone in this room argue that people were saved outside of the ministry of Jesus Christ? A little quiet on that one there. I tell you now. If you weren't in Jesus' ministry, you were not saved. That means if you're not a disciple, you're not saved. What does that mean? That means that right now, right at this thing, this was about 33 AD, only 120 people in the entire world were saved. That's what that means. Yeah, we just read over it. 100, that's it. So if you were a part of the 120, I mean, you were like, wow, it's just us. Whoa, this is intense. Looks like about 120 we got here today. Mm. And so it would have been a room just like this. And this would have been the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he would, have, he would have looked every single one of them in the eye and said, this is your great destiny. You're the ones I've chosen. And it says 120. They, they believe it. Let's keep going. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled with the Holy Spirit sp- spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number. And shared in this ministry with the reward he got for his wickedness. Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Alcadema. That means field of blood. And of course what happened is he had the noose around his neck. The body fills with water once it dies and it got so heavy it snapped the rope and he, he and his body hit the ground and he burst open like that. So that's pretty graphic right there. So if we got any teens in the house, the Bible's even better than your iPod or your DS or any, any movie you want to see, any horror, horror film. Just read the Holy Bible. You'll get a great gory story right there for the teens that are in the house right there. Amen. Verse 20. For said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it. And may no may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out and among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection. So they proposed two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. And that's such a true statement, is it? God knows everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. Which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and the lot fell on Matthias. So that he was added to the 11 disciples and the church said, there was prayer before the leaders made a decision right here. So they had great prayers. You see that. Uh, What I want to call attention to is what it says here with the heart of Judas. Now, we all know who Judas was. He was a guy who did what? He betrayed Jesus. But was he chosen? Did Jesus want him to do great things? Did he want him to go to all nations in that same generation with those that he had chosen? Absolutely. If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, we found that out a couple of weeks ago. See, amen. (laughs) Here's the interesting thing. It simply says in verse 25, Judas left to go where he belongs. Simple question I have for you. Simple question I ask for myself. Where do you belong? Where do you belong? Where do you belong? 
I'm glad you're here at church, so you belong at church. Amen? We got that one covered there. You can, you, can take some, you can take some joy in that one. But I'm talking about on a deeper level. Where do you belong? Where's your, what's your destiny? What is, what is the destiny that the Lord has laid out for you? Truth be told, I didn't know what my destiny was. That's the reason why I'm so glad that someone who did was able to go to the Bible and show me what God's plan was for my life. If you're visiting, I encourage you. Listen, we make, we, we, we don't, we don't, we, if you're here today visiting, we, we want you to be with us. So if someone's being really nice and kind and all that, they just, they just want you to be with us. That's all. That's our heart. But what's, what's your destiny? Where do you belong? Where do you belong? To build a church, everybody's got to understand their destiny. Everybody's got to understand where they belong. And I want to ask them serious questions here. Where do you belong in the ministry? Some of us, some of you in this room right now, that's where you belong. You belong in the ministry. You know it. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. Things have happened outside of discipleship that have told you specifically you belong in the ministry. Are you refusing the call of God? Judas refused the call. And sadly, he changed where God wanted him to go to go where he belongs. So you cannot fight off the call of God. Some people say, oh, I'm not called to be a minister anymore because I messed up. No, no. God always keeps calling. We just stop listening. The call of God is consistent. Where do you belong? Maybe you're, maybe you're, 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 you're in a situation where you're not in a great movement. Where you see the churches going to Ireland and the Philippines and Africa and France and all of this. Do you belong in a great movement? Absolutely. The first century church was a great movement. Maybe you belong in the movement. Are you in a situation where, where, where you're being called to total commitment on the scriptures? Do you belong in a sold out church? Maybe you're in a situation right now where you, you know you belong in a sold out church. You know it. Where do you belong? I think Judas, this is just my own thing right here. I think Judas, because the Bible says there was only 120 that were saved. I think, I think Judas struggled with all of that. I think Judas struggled with believing only 120 people are saved. I think he struggled. I think he was like, yeah, maybe there's some other, maybe there's some other, maybe the Pharisees are actually okay. Maybe they're, maybe they're not that prideful. Maybe all those scrolls I read right down over there by that, 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 fisk, that, that tree over there that that guy put there. Maybe they're right. All those negative things they say. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Judas struggled with believing the message. We know he struggled with the contribution. <laughs> that we know. Every time it came time to give, he struggled. He struggled. Now, here's the interesting thing about Judas. I know, you never see him getting discipled. You notice that? Peter got discipled all the time. I mean, he gets called awesome. You're going to build the church. And then he gets called, you're the devil. Get behind me. But you know what? Peter was open. Judas never was open. He had quiet reservations. Do you have quiet reservations stealing your destiny? Well, you are too afraid to say what you really think. What really is cruising around in your heart? Satan will get you if you don't get open. Judas never got open and it took him. Ow, God had a great destiny in, his, in store for him. But sadly, he went where he belonged. Do you see this as your great destiny? To build a great church, we've all got to see this as our great destiny. You guys still with me here? Great numbers. Great numbers. 
To build a great church, it's going to take great numbers. Acts chapter 2. Moving ahead here. Verse 42. We'll pick it up there. says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the church said, okay, oftentimes we read this as 3,000 people were in the church at that time. That's not, that's, that's wrong. Because there were already 120 that were baptized. So right here, it's the 3,120 that were devoted. The 3,120 sold their possessions. The 3,120 broke bread in their homes. The 3,120 had glad and sincere hearts. That's right. That, that's really what, what happened. The church is a little bit bigger than maybe you, some of you that have been around. You, you've understood. That, that's what's going on here. So the numbers were a little bit greater. I saw that. I go, yeah, it's a little bit greater numbers than I even, even saw. Check this out. Acts chapter 4. Verse 4. It says, But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The Holy Spirit says men. Why aren't men becoming disciples? Why aren't men becoming Christians? Not that there's any wrong with anybody who's not a man, and that's only the women, amen. <laughs> but you know what I believe? I believe men aren't becoming disciples because men aren't going out making disciples. Right. And I believe there are a lot of churches that will preach a message that's not for men. Yeah. Yeah. That's a softer type of message. That's not going to call a true man who wants to do something. When I heard the true men call me to become a disciple, that, 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 that inspired me. Sadly, we got women that, they, they, they love God, so if you men aren't going to do it, we're going to stand up and lead. And that's sadly how it is. You got a lot of women that lead churches nowadays, even though that's not in the Bible. That's right. There's not one woman that leads a church in the Bible. Not in the, not in the church, not, not, not in the Bible. And that's not to be offensive to women. That's not to be offensive. That's just to highlight the weakness that men have got to address in God's churches right there. That men who lead, not with just coming down, but that, that have an example and the women go, man, my husband cranks. I want to get behind him. 5,000 men got baptized right there. That's great numbers. You guys with me there? Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. You guys realize what that says? 
The disciples increased rapidly. That means they were really sharing their faith. Right. On top of that, you had priests, guys who worshipped and who were leading churches and congregations, realized they weren't sold-out disciples. And they came forward and said, yes, I lead a church, but I'm not a disciple. I'm sorry. I just want to be a disciple. And then maybe God will raise me back up to be a priest in the way that God teaches that you are supposed to be a priest. Priests became disciples in the Bible. Acts chapter 9. Is this your church you're in? Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in fear of the Lord. It says it grew in numbers. Numbers give you peace. Acts chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 21. It says the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Acts chapter 12, verse 24. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. Acts chapter 13, verse 49. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Now you're starting to see regions formed right there. I mean, that fires me up about having the East region right there on Wednesday night and the North region that we got established right there in the church with Brother Blaze right there preaching the word and our sister right there, Patricia right there, preaching the word right there. Very chic right there. She's our chic. She's going to be preaching on Wednesday night right there. But you see that regions are being formed right there. Acts chapter 16, verse 5. I just want to show you the church here, guys. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily and numbers will stop right there. Does this say church or churches? What does that mean? More than one. How did they grow? What's it say in the Bible? Daily in numbers. That means they were having daily additions. Now, here's the awesome thing. Our church in Los Angeles, they're having daily additions. Daily additions. The quick planting down in Orlando, they're having daily additions. There's some other churches, I don't know all their stats, but they're, they're, they're moving quite rapidly. So you see in the Bible, it's a command of God for all of the churches to be growing rapidly and having daily additions. It's an issue of faith. When you open the Holy Bible, it reads the same in Los Angeles as it does right here. You know what? People in L.A. that are Russian are becoming disciples. Nigerians, believe it or not, they're becoming disciples. They're becoming disciples. The English become disciples. I heard one of the most eloquent, incredible speeches from an Englishman, our brother Joe Willis, at the European Missions Conference that I've ever heard. It was awesome. But some of you don't believe English people can become disciples. And sadly, some of you are English. You're English and you don't believe the English can become a disciple. Look in the mirror. <laughs> there it is. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, I know the Africans are open. You're an Englishman. Go ahead. What are you talking This is the wrong thinking. It's worldly. It's not righteous. And it's not how to build a great church. Great church got to have everybody in it. We got to have all nations in it. And we got to have disciples that want to evangelize all nations. Not just your nation. Or the, church, or the nation you think you're better than. See, that's we just got to get controversial here. See, some of you, you reach out to people you think you're better than. And you think, okay, they'll become a disciple. 
because they're they're a weaker class of person. So I'll reach out to them. Oh, that person, he's a higher class, and that's why you don't share your faith. That's that's what's going on. I just got to call it out. And you don't have the faith to reach out to people that have a nice suit on or a jacket or this, that, and the other. You need to repent. And I take the challenge myself. This Saturday night, I said, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna, we got to start having some, some, this side, we got ourselves a dinner going. And we've, we've got some professionals coming to it. I got about three of them committed right now. They're all fired up. I spent time with one of them yesterday. They got some shirts and ties on and they're sharp. They're, they're, okay. But we got we to gotta have great, to build a great church, we got to have great numbers. How many people are you sharing with? What type of people are you sharing with? Are you going after every single person that's put in your path? Rich, poor, white, black, young, old. It doesn't matter. We'll never build a great church if we all don't get this vision, guys. And share our faith. Share our testimony. What Jesus has done for you. Not, hey, come to my church. Talking about it. You know, for me, you guys know my story. I was abandoned at age 14. I haven't lived with my mom since I was 13 years old. That created a bitterness in me that was something terrible. I had an angst towards women. I I used women. I was unfaithful. I was a wicked individual. I looked at pornography. I stole. I cheated on my taxes. And I called myself a Christian. Because I just didn't know. Until the disciples came and got in my life and showed me what the Bible teaches. I became a disciple. And at the time, hey, I was doing well. I'd been in two films. I was on my way to Los Angeles to pursue the acting career. I had a nice place, big, nice car. I came to church. Everyone was like, whoa, who's that guy? Not knowing that my heart was was darker than my skin. (laughs) That's pretty dark. (laughs) I want to ask you a question. I want you to ask the same question back to yourself. If everyone in the church was like me, what kind of church would we be? Don't, don't, don't think about anybody else. Don't stop thinking about your husband and your wife. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Husband, think about you. Wife, think about you. I saw it. I could tell the spirit. I saw it. Teens, quit thinking about your parents. Parents, quit thinking about your teens. If everyone in the church was just like me, what kind of church would we be? Yeah. Now, that said not for you to get depressed and down on yourself. Because that's where everybody will be. If we're in the church, everybody's down. We don't want that. The great thing about Christianity is you get to see your weaknesses and the grace of God covers them all over. And God can fill in the cracks where you lack faith. We've got to have great numbers. We've got to have great numbers. Now, I'm excited. I'm excited what God has done. we got 77 sold-out disciples right here in London, England, right there. Amen? we got to get to 100 for the Lord, guys. we got to get to 100 this year. We can do it this year. This year we can do it. I never forget, we had our, our, our leaders meeting a few weeks ago, and just I took commitments from all the disciples that were there. There were 36 that said, I'm going to be personally fruitful. Yeah. If we had, if every single individual member said, I'm going to, I'm going to, God, use me to help one individual become a Christian. We could double by the end of the year. God could do that. Do you believe that? I believe he could do it. I believe he could do it. We've got to get behind how the Bible highlights that God's church has great numbers right there. You guys with me there? Bring it in for a close. 
was, of course, great commitment in the church. There was great leadership. And, yeah, we got to look at that one. Acts chapter 6. Great leadership. To build a great church, it needs great leadership. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, the number of disciples was increasing. That's how it was in those days. That's how it needs to be in these days, right? The Grecian Jews, uh-oh, one race. Among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. Uh-oh, another race. Because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Oh, my God, the first century church wasn't perfect. Did you, you guys see that? Oh, my goodness. There were some issues in the first century church. But do they fall away? Do they get bitter and take off? No. Let's find out what happens. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and also Philip, Procarius, Nicanor, Timaeus, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The numbers of of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is great leadership. The leaders don't get involved and do everything, not because they're better than, but because they saw that there were other brothers and sisters who could raise up and do great things in the church. You guys see that? They chose different individuals. I love how it says it. it they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Stephen, you've got so much faith, you got the Holy Spirit. I want you to watch these tables over here. <laughs> you see that? That was, that was what God gave him to do. That's what Stephen, the man who preached one of the most incredible sermons, did before he became a preacher. He served. I'm embarrassed to say this. We got members of our church that don't want to serve our children in our kids' class. We got members that... that our kids' workers, some of those workers have been in there two and three rotations. Wow. Wow. Why? They just want to build a great church. Yeah. And there are some of you that, oh, I, I, I teach. I can't serve any kids. I'm, I got the Holy Spirit in faith, but I can't, I can't serve any kids. Some of you are just lazy. Just got to lay it out, guys. Those of you that don't know how to, amen, we'll teach you, we'll show you. I love the kids. We got we to gotta, we gotta preach to the kids. We got to take care of the kids. They're going to become disciples someday. They're going to become disciples someday. And your love or lack thereof, well, they will remember. And in a church, hey, we need more workers that are willing to get in there and really make our children's ministry incredible. Not just a place you drop the kids off. But to make it incredible, to own it, to make it excellent. To make kids' ministry make disciples. People go, whoa, you go to their kids' class. They're early. They're focused. they got a great plan. They're encouraging. This is a weakness we have in London, in our church. We've got to strengthen it. I believe there are brothers and sisters who are full of the Holy Spirit and, and... faith that are willing to do it. We've got to have some more workers for our kids class that really want to do an incredible great job. You know one of the things that was pointed out is we've got to have someone to oversee our singles ministry right there. And to really get our singles going. And of course I 
won't go into the point, but there was a great, Jesus already gave the great vision. So it takes great vision to build a church as well. And I'm proud to announce that Ola and Denise Kukoyu will now be leading our singles ministry right there. Immediately after service, they're calling all the singles that are, are, and of course, Ola and Denise will talk to you. You'll know who you are. They're going to be having a meeting right on after, and they're going to put together some incredible uh, plans, some incredible things to help build up our singles ministry in the church. You know, we've got incredible disciples, but sadly, some of you that are in the campus, you're not single. I mean, some of you in the campus, you're single. You need to be in the singles ministry. And you're feeling singles ministry growing pains. You're, not, just, you're just feeling some singles ministry growing pains. I see it in some of your eyes. You're there. You're just kind of, okay, all right. You need to be in the singles ministry. And so we're going to crank the singles ministry. So we will be talking to several of you and saying, hey, you're awesome. Out of the campus, into the singles. We've got the cranking singles leaders right there. And we've got to get some things going in the church right here. Build ourselves a great church. Some of you that are in the campus, you're going to be challenged to raise up, to start to develop character. Yes, we're looking at new campus leaders, raising up some new campus leaders to really take over the campus. To build a great church, you need great leadership. Now, it isn't you that's great. It's the calling that's great. I'm not great. None of us are great. It's the calling that is great. In the Bible, kingdoms are called mountains. It's the mountain that makes the man great. Man doesn't make the mountain great. Jesus, he, he qualifies the call. He doesn't call the qualified. Some people go, well, I haven't found a perfect church. Well, you're the beginning and the end of the problem with, with that equation. You know why people don't find a perfect church? Because they're in it. There is no perfect church. Newsflash. Just thought I'd share that with you. BBC. Here's Michael reporting. There is no perfect church. We've got to, we've got to know that. And we've got to not let weaknesses and challenges. Right here there was a weakness and challenge. They dealt with it and then they moved on. The issue here was a racial one. And we know that we've got to have all nations in the church here to build a great church. So we need to take that admonishment right there. But more importantly, we need people that have the heart, that want to raise up and fill in the gaps where our church is weak and raise up and be a part of building this great church in the city here of London, England. I need your commitment. I'm going to call you for that commitment today to build a great church here. Lastly, great joy. Acts chapter 8. To build a great church, it takes great joy. I shouldn't have to hit great financial sacrifice. You guys should know that one. Barnabas sold his house, gave it to the church. He didn't have to be asked for the money and all that. He just came and gave the money. That's his heart. You need those kind of people in the church that are willing to give a great financial sacrifice. Lay the money at the apostles' feet. As Barnabas did right there, son of encouragement. Takes great joy is our last point. Acts chapter 8. Verse 1. It says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in 
prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. I mean, we just graze over that. Samaria, this was a place where there was, there was just racial prejudice and people wouldn't go to Samaria. They were like, they would go around Samaria because the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. And yet now God puts a Samaritan in your life on a daily basis. Someone you don't like sharing with that you got to share with. You know who my Samaritans are? I don't like sharing. I, guys like me. I see a guy like me and I still go, I know exactly what he's thinking. I know exactly what he's doing. I know exactly how he's going to respond. I know exactly what he's going to say. I know exactly how he's going to look at me. Oh, there's another guy. Let me go to that person there. And I can do that. I've stopped doing that. I've stopped going to my Samaritans and going right to them and just going, boom, and just not think about it and preach to them. Stephen went to Samaria. Who are your Samaritans? People you avoid sharing with. It says he went down Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. When the crowd heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And the church said, why was there great joy? People were being healed. People were becoming Christians. They're being healed of bitternesses. Healed of abuse. There's so many women and men who are abused. And they go through their life angry at men or angry at women or angry at both or just confused and unhealed and spiritually paralyzed. Not being able to move forward into a relationship because they're just hurt. And they need the grace of God and discipleship to fix it up. We've had brothers and sisters from our former fellowship that are, that are hurting and, and challenged. Preferably you believe in grabbing the remnant. After you get incredible disciples like Martin and Teresa Scott moving all the way down here, you believe in the remnant right there. And I believe in they're going to be, they're going to be incredible disciples. They're going to do some great things. They're going to do some great things. But there was great joy because people were coming disciples. You know, there was nothing, nothing, uh, there's nothing so encouraging than, than seeing someone come to be baptized. And Friday night we had an incredible devotional. We just got together and had a thankfulness devotional, sharing what we were thankful for. And it, plenty of things were shared. One sister says, I'm thankful for the word of God. Even when friends and family have left the Lord, the Holy Spirit has put scriptures in my path for me to read, to put some scriptures where the pain is. And that's how we have to live. When there's pain, you got to put some medication there. And that is the Holy Bible. Another person shared this, another person. But the one that was most encouraging was, of course, our youngest and our brand new member, our brother Charles from UEL, who stood up and shared Jesus being Lord and was baptized Friday night. And there was great joy, and there's great joy today. Listen, guys, to build a great church, it takes all of these principles. In closing, I want you to ask yourself, if the church was just like me, what kind of church would we be? To God be the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H 
www.ghostbusters.org.uk and for all other updates and information whether it's services events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one Bye.